Praise the Lord for the message of that song. And uh, Pastor um, Ricky was uh, preaching this morning. I uh, was emotional, and I could help but shed some tears uh, when he said his testimony about Pastor Max. And we all had a very special moment with him, isn't it? I'm not just saying this because uh, he is the best father-in-law a man could ever had. But, you know, I'm just saying this because it's the truth that somehow, some way, he had uh, impacted our lives. He had a positive influence to us. And we know he's never perfect, but we thank God for the way God used him. You know, especially in this church where he really uh, invests his uh, life. And uh, we thank God for him, for using him as an instrument as a channel of blessing to all of us. And um, this afternoon, uh, I try to be an, an encouragement to you by, uh, through the Word of God. We will um, postpone our uh, series of studies in the book of Nehemiah, and I'd just like to speak about this subject. This is your life, and uh, I would like to uh, quote as a vantage point, as a starting point, uh, one of uh, Pastor Max, again, favorite verse of Scripture. is found in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. All right, I believe, uh, I don't know if this is his life verse, but I, I love uh, to hear him quote this uh, verse of Scripture and even sing about it. Amen? And uh, actually, if you study uh, in your Sunday school uh, the maturity of Christian uh, growth, Christian faith, the ABCs, this is like the second volume. Uh, it's in the title, Crucified Life, letter C, and this is the main theme verse, main uh, memory verse for that. So, if you can uh, stand with me, and maybe you can quote it from memory, or yeah, there you go, we can uh, project the verse of scripture there. We will uh, read this verse. Uh, as we know, the context of this is that by God's wonderful grace, we are freed from the law and sin, isn't it? Its penalty, its uh, consequences, and we have liberty in Christ. And now we, as a saved person, as a born-again believer, we are now can live unto the Lord. And this is a wonderful uh, verse of Scripture to memorize, to internalize, and live out. Because it's a wonderful principle by uh, the way the believer should live for the Lord. So let's uh, read it all together, then we'll have a word of prayer. Ready? Begin. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. One more time. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's pray. Father God in heaven. We thank you, Lord, for this wonderful verse of Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for admonishing us that the best kind of life that we can live in this world is to live for Jesus and to be fully surrendered and yielded to his plans and programs and his, his everyday will in our lives. Lord, we are asking for your help once again to uh, be blessed by your word. Lord, I'm nothing without you. I'm so limited. I'm so fragile, Lord. I'm so um, weak. But uh, strengthen me, O oh Father. I pray, Lord, that something that is said and shared today will be a special blessing to us. That your word, Lord, will have a free course in our midst and forgive us from our sins, our shortcomings, our trespasses, iniquities that we've done against you. Thou art truly a just and a holy God. And we are, uh, Lord, just uh, forgiven sinners. But we thank you, Lord, for your marvelous grace, for your unending mercy for your children. That if we confess our sins, thou art faithful and just to forgive us from all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we pray that the name of Christ may be glorified and will inspire us to keep on living for Jesus, Lord, and striving to grow in our spiritual walk with him and in turn to be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. You may all be seated. Thank you so much for uh, standing with me. And uh, let me put a little smile in your face. Uh, like uh, This is the unholy hour, a challenging hour for a lot of us uh, after we had a good lunch. 
And um, I think our visitors here are still in jet lag. Pastor Ricky de Guzman, this is a trying hour for them. So it's okay, Pastor, if you fall asleep and not, uh, you're forgiven. You know, we understand. But um, uh, of course, we are celebrating uh, life here. And also, um, the Bible declares in uh, John 12, 25, John 12, 25, He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hated his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Now, when we see those phrases between love and hate in the Bible, or we, we hear those verses like, if you don't hate your mother and father, like what Christ said, you cannot be my disciple. It's not literally our own meaning or definition of the word hate. Like, what? Do I really have to hate them or forsake them? This is just uh, a comparison that if you love God, if He is the priority of your life, he, if He is not just preeminent but prominent in your life, then your love will be so undivided that other things that you feel or do for God will seem like it looks like hate. You know? So that's what just it truly means. So here we have the one that says, He that loveth life shall lose it, there's life. But he that hated his life, or you will, you know, sort of like die for the Lord, so there's life. And death, and there's some um, funny things here about death. You know, of course, it's not really funny when somebody passed away or everything. But just to put a smile on your face, according to most studies, they said people's number one fear is <clears throat> what is people's number one fear, especially in America. There you go, Sister Rochelle is right. Public speaking. Yeah, that's my fear also. I don't know. I am speaking right now, you know, when I was a kid. Public speaking, according to a statistic, is the number one fear of any man. Number two, actually, is death. So death is number two. Does that sound right? This means to the average person, if you go to a funeral, you're better off in the casket than giving the eulogy. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? Huh? Um, another one here. Somebody said, I hope when I inevitably choke to death on gummy bears, people just say I was killed by bears and leave it at that. Okay? Yes, it's embarrassing. Me. All right? Somebody says, um, about a month before he died, my uncle, uncle had his back covered in lard. After that, he went downhill fast. All right? So that's. Because his back is slippery. So I hope you got that, all right? I saw an ad for burial plots and thought to myself, this is the last thing I need. Isn't it? Yes, because nobody wants to die right away or plan to die. We like to live a full life, isn't it? And this one is funny. My dad died when we could not remember his blood type. As he died, he kept insisting for us to be positive. But it's hard without him, of course, yes. And last but not the least, all right? Smoking will kill you. Bacon will kill you. But smoking bacon will cure it. Huh? There you go. Who loves bacon here? I heard that's uh, former Obama's daughter's former president's favorite thing to eat, bacon, you know? So, uh, okay, I'll stop with those corny jokes. Anyways, um, this is... Your life. This is your life. Um, as we know that uh, one of the three main purposes or uh, meaning why uh, our church established here, why the Lord uh, burdened the heart of Pastor Max to start a work uh, from a simple Bible study, amen, and having a handful of people and uh, renting places and then eventually in a big step of faith, as people prayed unto the Lord and asked for His wisdom, the Lord allowed them to uh, purchase this property, you know, many years ago. And right now we are in the verge of uh, asking the Lord to bless us more, another, like a second blessing, be able to add an addition, an expansion, as our church is growing for the sake of our future generation. You know, one of the things that I believe that He desires for the church, and I always share this, that one of the purposes why a church established in a community is first to exalt the Lord in worship. Amen? So the main reason why we gather every Sunday as God's people 
is, is that we are being obedient to his command not to forsake our assembling of ourselves together in order corporately, collectively as a body of Christ, we can worship our Savior. Amen? Because he is deserving. He is worthy to be honored, to be praised for what he has done for us and for who he is in our lives. You know, he is still sovereign. Amen? He's still in control. He's still merciful and just and loving and gracious. And the problem is about us, isn't it? We are unfaithful. We are lacking. We are distracted. We are worried, isn't it? But God never changes. The Bible says He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is immutable. His promises are still there. But the problem is about us. That's why we have to be reminded of God's truth. So we come to church to worship the Lord. Exalt Him because He is worthy. Second is that we come here to edify one another through fellowship. You know, by sharing our testimony, praying for one another, studying God's Word together, edification through fellowship. That's why we have various ministries in the church. And then thirdly, to evangelize the lost and dying world by our personal witness and involvement in missions and faith promise giving, and also our own, you know, um, a witness to our unsaved loved ones, co-workers, and friends. Isn't it? So we exalt the Lord, we edify one another, and we evangelize the lost and dying world. And I believe that's uh, Pastor Mark's heart desire, isn't it? For our church to continue on. And, and Pastor Ricky shared his two dreams that he wants to be fulfilled in this church. If the Lord tires, is coming. Or before he comes. Amen? To bring us to heaven. And we know that one of uh, Pastor Max's desire for everyone that comes into this church is his desire for them to grow spiritually. Because after you've been saved, after you've been born again to God's family, you need to grow in your faith. Amen? And you need to glow with your faith. Then if you grow with your faith, then it, you will go to spread the good news because one of these days will be gone. Amen? Into this world. And we will give account of what we've done for the Lord, what we've done in this body. And if I ask you, there are times that we need to evaluate our spiritual condition, isn't it? A spiritual uh, standing before God. And today is a good day to say time out and take stock. So let me have this question. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to have a Bible study. Uh, not really preaching, but teaching Bible study. Just to remind you of the truths that you need to, uh, you know, uh, resurface in your minds and in your heart and have some evaluation. And I'm speaking to myself also. So the first question is, how long have you been a Christian? And the second question is, does your spiritual maturity correspond to your chronological age in Christ? How would you assess your spiritual progress? Is it in its infancy? Is it in its adolescence or a young adult, median adult, or a mature adult? Number three, how concerned are you? How passionate and driven are you to move from where you are spiritually to the next level of spiritual maturity? You know what? The older I get, I feel like 50, the more I see that spiritual growth is the ultimate priority in life. Amen? Yeah. Spiritual growth is the ultimate priority in the life of a Christian because our spiritual growth, or the lack of it, controls every other area of our lives. When we are growing spiritually in Christ, every other area of our lives is growing as well. I'm not talking about numerical growth, but some growth should happen. Amen? Spiritual growth is foremost and central to our personal growth. It is the ultimate priority, and yet it is without a doubt the most neglected priority nowadays. Churches are filled, quite honestly, with spiritual infants. Instead, we see like special needs children, and you know, our heart goes out to them. I have one, one of my niece, you know. She's a special child. She has the body of uh, almost an 18-year-old, but she has the, the mind of a two, three-year-old, you know? And uh, sometimes sad to say, there are churches that are filled with Christians who, uh, yes, they grow old chronologically, but never grew spiritually and remain spiritual infants. 
These kind of Christians require sometimes constant attention. Someone has to spoon feed them. They regularly raise a stink. And someone has to change their diapers. Spiritually speaking. Listen, God does not intend for you to remain a spiritual baby. He wants all of us to grow. Amen? Second Peter 3.18 says, Grow in grace, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 16, this will be the bulk of our studies today. We will show you from God's word that He plans for all of us to grow spiritually. We never stop growing. Amen? Until the time that God calls us home. No, Pastor Max, right now, his faith has become sight. He's seen the author and the finisher of his faith, the object of his faith. Now, you know, he will be known as much as he had been known, as the scripture said. So we will focus attention to these verses of scriptures in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 16. You know, verse 15, uh, verse 13, we can focus our attention closely to this, that God is working to build up Christ's body. Allow me to read it to you, Ephesians 4, uh, verse 11 to 16. The Bible declares, And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting or maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So verse 13, God is working to build up Christ's body. Verse 15, it is God's intention that you and I become mature. Amen? Or grow up in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we don't want our kids to grow up, isn't it? They're so cute, you know, like Ezra and, and uh, baby Joanna. And, you know, especially baby Joanna at that stage. That they don't give us a lot of problems. They just sleep and eat and poop, you know, simple things. And then you get, they'll crawl and then they throw, throw a tantrum, then terrible tooth and stuff. But you know what? When we feed our kids and you expect them to grow. Even they're so cute and lovable. You don't want to waste your time like, oh yeah, just be like that for 10 more years, you know? <laughs> like a two-month-old. No, you expect them to grow and improve. And, you know, because you are exer exercising some effort and you want them to go to those stages in life, you know? But sometimes a spiritual uh, Christian don't grow anymore. They become stagnant in their spiritual life, you know? Sometimes you don't. I want this to happen, but it happens. I wonder if that's what has happened to some of us along the way. You know, you got saved, you were excited to learn and grow in Christ, and grow you did. In fact, you felt like you could not grow fast enough. You Remember those times, the, the first time you got to know the Lord? You got saved, you're excited for the work of God. You read your Bible, you pray every day, you are excited to witness, but sometimes along the way in your Christian life, your, your growth has been stagnant. But then something happened along the way. Sometimes probably you got hurt. You went through a crisis. You got disappointed. You felt God taking you to a direction and you refused to go. You stumbled and fell and you felt such shame that you never recovered. Or you simply gradually became distracted by other things and neglected your spiritual life. Many of you or some of us can go back to a very precise moment or event when your spiritual growth literally came to a grinding halt. I believe God has given the pastors, amen, teachers of God's word, a mandate and responsibility to be a catalyst for spiritual growth in your life. And I believe it is extremely important that the church give full attention to the spiritual growth of her members. Amen? That's why this... Bible teacher, John MacArthur, he says, we don't hear much about spiritual growth these days. God's design is that we be seasoned to maturity through a continual process of growth. The contemporary church, the emphasis of spiritual growth has reaped a bitter harvest. Millions of professing Christians suffer from arrested development. Churches are filled with people who are spiritually immature and discerning, weak, and fragile. Spiritual underdevelopment is the rule, no longer the exception. That's sad, isn't it? That's from his book, Keys to Spiritual Growth. 
But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 to 14, in that sense, he says on the uh, other half, we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful, unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of us you have, uh, have their use of have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Yes, we preach and teach. We have some milk here, some dairy, spiritually speaking, but also every now and then we need to hear some meaty stuff. Amen? Because it will cause us to grow. Some good, solid food. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. As a Christians, as we you know, grow and progress in our Christian life, the milk has to be replaced with meat. Isn't it? Some of you, when, of course, when you turn to like 10, 12 years old, you're ready for some solid food. And for us as adults here, we like to have a good kind of steak every now and then. Amen? You know, with that special sauce. And you enjoy it, and it stays in your system for many days. Amen? So red meat is good sometimes. So I say no shame of being a baby in Christ if you are just starting out for Him. But the Christian life is a journey. Amen? God does not expect perfection, just growth. Just growth. And this is what would Pastor Max desire for each one. You know, we, we just don't turn like an 11-day like an journey of the children of Israel into 40 years. You know, it's a process. Now, let me share to you some things about spiritual growth, some observations. We're going to go through this quickly. First is uh, spiritual growth is not constant, but intermittent it's not constant but intermittent if you are to chart your spiritual growth it would probably not look like this like you got saved you grow in the lord and it's like that all the way through but isn't it you got saved you desire to know more of the lord and your spiritual growth is like that sometimes sometimes like that sometimes like that sometimes like that sometimes like that you get the point, isn't it? A spiritual growth is not chronological and is not measured by the calendar. A spiritual growth does not happen simply with time. This is why some people can be Christians for years and still not display much spiritual growth. Because you do not grow accidentally. Amen? You need to be intentional about it. You would recognize times of accelerated growth interspersed with times of extreme setback and defeat. Those things happen. You would find peaks and valleys in your spiritual growth. Second is, spiritual growth is not accidental but intentional. Intentional. You have to desire it. Amen? You have to be looking for it. You need to be excited about it. It doesn't happen simply with time. Uh, this is why some people, as I said, can be Christians for years, but be spiritual infants. You do not grow ex accidentally. You grow only when you are intentional about growth. As 1 Peter 2, 2 says, Desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. And beside this, giving all diligence. So when it says diligence, you need to be into it. Amen? You need to be intentional about it. Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness. So spiritual growth also, thirdly, is not optional but imperative for a child of God, for a believer. Spiritual growth is the most important issue you have to deal with. Why? Because every other area of our lives issues out of our spiritual every other area of our lives issues out of our spiritual well-being. It's like a wheel, isn't it? There's a hub, 
And, you know, those uh, compartments are all together in unity. Without the hub, there's no wheel, isn't it? It cannot keep the wheel, the tires, into its place. You cannot, no, a car without wheels will not go anywhere, isn't it? Even if it has a strong engine full of gas, if it has no wheels, if the tires are deflated, you cannot really go anywhere, not far. Same thing. Our spiritual life is the most important area of our lives. Because you know what? It is something that is eternal. It is something that God is looking into. Amen? Our spiritual life. And our problem is we often approach the pains in our lives by treating the symptoms rather than dealing with the root issue. It is futile to try to patch together a problem in marriage if husband and wife are unwilling to deal with their spiritual life. It is futile to try to heal emotional problems if the person is unwilling to focus on the spiritual issues first. Remember, every human being is a three-part being. We have body, soul, and spirit. It is foolish to try to fix body and our soul or spirit, but neglect the spirit. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. See? That speaks of our soul interchangeably. Our heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Number four, spiritual growth is the natural product of spiritual life. Amen? Growth is one of the essential signs of life. So in both the physical and spiritual realms, where there is no growth, no life exists. True? And where there is not spiritual growth, there is also a good reason or indication to question whether there were spiritual life in the first place. Isn't it? That's why we need to make sure of our salvation. Amen? We need to make sure that we are, truly have a personal relationship with the Lord. Because you might wonder why that person is still the same. Even though he claims something. But truly, in the first place, only God knows. Amen? Only God can judge. There was no spiritual life to begin with. And when there's no spiritual life, there is no growth. You know, I'm sorry, but I just don't understand how anyone could be content to just go through the motions of Christianity or play church or be unfaithful all the time if they really have a spiritual life in them. Now, let's, let's look closely at what Paul told the Christians in Ephesus about spiritual growth, and I'll end this message. And I want us to focus on three things Primary thoughts about these verses. First, about the spiritual growth, God's desire for spiritual growth, God's design for spiritual growth, and God's description for spiritual growth. Amen? So first, God's desire for spiritual growth. Simply put, God desires for you and I to grow spiritually. Because our Heavenly Father does not want you to remain a spiritual infant. He wants you to grow to full maturity. As my kids are growing up, I have teenagers. And you know what? After 12 years of a gap, we have a two-year-old right now and then a one-year-old. And I feel like we have twins, you know? But they're, they're joy. They're, they're sweethearts. Amen? And I'm glad that the other church family are enjoying them, you know? Especially uh, my charismatic uh, son, Ezra. And I hear some uh, premonition about him. That's why I have to save some money for... Uh, Huh? <clears throat> All right. But we pray. He'll be a good boy. He'll be a good boy. Amen. As I said, I always joke he's the reincarnation of Pastor Max. You know, he looks like him. No, we don't believe in that. Amen. But uh, yeah, we're just we're just we're just blessed. Amen. As uh, the Bible says, children are heritage of the Lord. Uh, as my kids are growing up, teenagers and small kids, there have been many times when I've said. Uh, especially our girls, you know, you're growing up too fast. Why don't you stop growing and stay a child just a little bit? But never happens, isn't it? Life has to move on, have to move forward. But the truth is, if one of them had stopped growing, I'd have them at the doctor for fear something was seriously wrong. <laughs> Almost for Lois, you know? <laughs> I truly enjoy them as children. And of, of course, for all the parents here, you enjoy your kids as children. But the truth is, we don't want them to stay children forever. I want, we want them to grow to mature adults. So it is with our Heavenly Father. He desires for us to grow. So look at verse 13. 
of Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, it says there, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It speaks of becoming like Christ, isn't it? Fullness of Christ. Then verse 14, it says that, that the Father does not want us to be infants. It says there, not, uh, henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. We need to have solid foundation and growth. Then verse 15 says that the Father wants us to grow up into Christ. It says there, go into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. So first thing we can see, the fact is God commands us all to grow spiritually. As newborn babes, once again, 1 Peter 2.2, 2, desire to, uh, the sincere milk of the word. First, uh, 2 Peter 3.18 contains a command, but it says there, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. So if God commands for us to grow spiritually, so when we neglect spiritual growth, we are disobeying God. Amen? Since it's a command. Neglecting spiritual growth is not just an oversight, it is blatant disobedience and sin. Whenever we have stagnated spiritually, we cannot start growing again until first we repent. Amen? Of neglecting our spiritual maturation. I'm telling you, if you were truly sensitive to the Holy Spirit today, many of us would respond to this message by repenting to God for neglecting His Word. Amen? Neglecting His worship. Neglecting prayer, neglecting fellowship with the saints, neglecting discipleship, neglecting our so great of a salvation. So God, God wants us to grow. Second thing, God's design for spiritual growth, not just his desire. God not only desires for you to grow spiritually, he has designed a way for you to be growing continually in grace. And these are practical, basic things to remind us of. God provides us in these verses of Scripture, three essential items that are to stimulate growth in Christ. The first one, God's desire for growth includes an institution. What is that? The church. Amen? That's why you, have, you ought, if you're a believer, a child of God, you ought to be a member, an active member. Amen? An involved member of a particular local body of believers, the church. And we know the, the church is not this building. It's not uh, just an institution, as we always say. It's not just an organization, because it has organization, but it's a living organism. It grows. It works together. It's for the benefit of a child of God. As we know, Ephesians 4 was written in the context of the church, the body of Christ, as we read in verses 11 to 16. This was a letter originally addressed to a church, and while it has a message for individuals, its primary direction was toward the corporate body, the church. Now I'm here to tell you, there can be no spiritual growth apart from the church. Though some will die trying. If you intend to grow spiritually, then you need to unite yourself and involve yourself with a spiritual, loving, Bible-believing church. Because nothing can replace the role of the local church. Amen? I'm thankful something like this. Of course, we have online ministries and such. You know, we have like good Bible teachers out there that we can hear, but nothing can replace a sweet personal interrelationship and fellowship with the local body of believers. Amen? It's a time where you can, you know, share your blessings, ask for prayers. You know, you can identify that person as a person who is just not a friend, but an eternal friend. Amen? In Christ. And sometimes stronger bonds are formed because of our brothers and sisters in the Lord compared even to our uh, relatives, isn't it? Sometimes we are closer to them, you know? Nothing can replace the role of a local church. You know, as a baby needs food, a baby needs also family. Yes, isn't it? To help it grow. The church you unite with can either stimulate and steer your spiritual growth or the sad way is stifle it. Don't unite with a church that does not believe, teach, and preach the Bible, does not emphasize spiritual discipleship, does not have an atmosphere of love and life. Search out a spirit-filled church and then pour your life into that ministry of the church. Exercise your gifts. You know, share your time and effort to that church, local ministry of the church. And you know, there's a story here of a pastor, and sometimes we also... 
encounter this. Every once in a while, we meet a person who does not believe in the institution of the local church. They feel too spiritual to join a local church, a visible, organized body of believers. Warren Wiersbe tells of a pastor friend who was approached by an individual wanting his church to support his mission work financially. The pastor asked the man, what church do you belong to? And the man rather indignantly said, I belong to the invisible church. The pastor said, okay, then at what church do you regularly worship? The man with greater indigence said, I worship with the invisible church. The pastor finally said, okay, then here is some invisible money to help you with your mission work for the invisible church. That's what you get. But God wants us to be busy, involved in a local church. Amen? God's design for gold includes also, secondly, individuals. Not just an institution, the church, but individuals or what we call gifted leaders. So according to verses 11 and 12 of Ephesians chapter 4, what are these? First, the apostles. The office of the apostle, take note, was a temporary office in the early church. We don't have apostles in this church. Amen? or any, any other local New Testament church. It was primary office for laying the foundation of the church in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. As we know, there were how many apostles? 13 apostles, isn't it? Including Matthias, who replaced Judas, and also Paul was later appointed by Christ as the apostle to the Gentiles. He is actually our apostle. And thank God for his life, amen? God used him to establish a lot of churches in the Gentile world. Their qualifications were twofold as an apostle. They were personal eyewitnesses of the resurrected Christ. So there's no more apostle today because they don't see Jesus. Literal visible form appeared to them. You know, and we know we will see him when the trumpets sound, amen? But nobody has that uh, privilege anymore. That was 2,000 years ago. Secondly, they were directly appointed to this office by Christ himself. There's also what we call a second class of apostles seem to have served as long as the original apostles were alive. These men included Barnabas in Acts 14.3, Silas, and even Timothy in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2. Apostles' ministries were always authenticated by signs and wonders. That's why when people, when the Jews seek for sign, when the Gentiles look for wisdom, both these things are given as a credential by, by an apostle. That's why they can perform miracles, signs, and wonders as a proof, as a valid proof that they come from the Messiah, that the Messiah sent them. Amen? So right now, we don't have that. Next is, according to the verse, he gave some apostles, then prophets. What are these pro prophets? This also was a special office of leadership given to the first century church for the establishment of the church. I do not believe this was ever intended to be an enduring office like the apostleship. The prophets often spoke of direct, personal, specific revelation from God, and sometimes they merely expounded what the apostles had taught. The prophets' ministries and messages were always under the authority of the apostles. So we don't have now prophets foretelling, F-O-R, but we have those foretelling, Preaching right now, amen? Not predicting or making extra revelation of the future, but now we have people who are preaching the gospel. So next is evangelists. Evangelists. This was an enduring office in the church, filled by men whose primary role was to evangelize, literally to preach the good news. Philip was a deacon, amen? And he was also an evangelist in Acts chapter 8. He shows us that the New Testament evangelist is not a man with ten suits and ten sermons, running a road show. New Testament evangelists were missionaries, church planters, and soul winners. So we can consider Pastor Ricky as an evangelist because he's a church planter. They preached and explained the message of salvation in Jesus Christ, taught the new believers, then moved to new territory and people where the gospel had not been previously preached. And then... There's the pastor's teachers, amen? The title pastor, or in the group, Greek poimen, means shepherd. It emphasizes the care, protection, leadership of the man of God to the flock of God. They do the teaching, or the daskoloi in Greek, refers to the primary work of a pastor. 
as the apostolic era came to a close, the office of pastor teacher, or we also see that as elder or bishop, speak of the same office, become the highest level of leadership with the church. So the pastor teacher is to preach, protect, oversee, and guide the local church. That's why Paul says, these gifted men are given to the church to prepare you for the works of service, or like to equip the saints for the work of this ministry. So, a biblical pastor will see himself as an equipper. Amen? That's why the Bible says in Colossians 1, 28, verse 29, here, Apostle Paul says, Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect or mature in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Thirdly, God's design for growth, not only through an institution, the church, through individuals or gifted leaders, but also he has instruments. Instruments, namely, first, the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's an instrument of growth. It is the Holy Spirit in you that he will continually prompt you to grow spiritually. So don't quench him. Amen? Don't grieve him, but allow him. To work in your life. The moment you got saved, He indwells you. He seals you unto the day of redemption. And we all got the Holy Spirit in us. What the question is, is he, he, Does He got us? Amen? We, we can be filled by the Holy Spirit. It can happen. Just ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. And He will fill you and use you. The Holy Spirit is God's Almighty living inside of you. And it's God's agent of personal spiritual growth. You need to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit prompting. Hindi lang po to konsensya, amen? It is a personal person that speaks to you and teaches you. You need to recognize His voice and submit continually to His prompting. So, what are the things that the Holy Spirit will do for us? The Holy Spirit within us will empower us for His service. Acts 1.8, He shall be witnesses unto me. Teaches us spiritual truth, John 14, 26. Give us spiritual life, John 6, 33. Confirms and seals our salvation, Romans 8, 16, Ephesians 1, 3. Convicts us of sin, amen? John 16, 8. Comfort us when we are worried and down. Discombobulated. John 14, 26. Produces spiritual growth, Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, etc., etc. Isn't it? Guides are, pray, are praying, Romans 8.26. So when the Holy Spirit is in you, He will steer you to grow spiritually. Amen? So not just the Holy Spirit, our instruments, but secondly, the Bible is the instrument of growth. Amen? In fact, you cannot possibly grow spiritually apart from God's Word. 2 Timothy 3.16-17, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be mature, grow spiritually in their faith. John 15.3, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. You are sanctified. Isn't it? Are you glad as Christians when we got saved? Amen? Oh, it's a blessing to be a child of God. Amen? To be born again. When we got saved, we got saved and we are justified. Amen? In legal standing, in the front of God, you are declared righteous. But I'm not righteous. I don't really even feel righteous. But when you accepted Christ, when you received Him in your heart and life, when you heard the gospel, what Christ did here on earth for 33 and a half years, what is that? He obeyed all the law. He fulfilled, he fulfilled all righteousness. I always say this. How come when God sent His Messiah, He did not come here as a 33-year-old? He came as a baby and grow to a teenage boy, to a young adult, to an adult. He has to come here because he has to obey the law and fulfill all righteousness that we as men could never do. That's why when we accept him and we die when we get to heaven, God sees the righteousness of his only begotten son inside of us. That's why we can be accepted into heaven because not only we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he shed his blood, he washed us away from our sin, but his righteousness is imputed to us. It was given to our account. That's why we can come to Christ, we can come to God in heaven, 
And we can be in heaven because we are declared righteous. Legally, we are righteous before God. Because God can never allow anything that is imperfect. Amen? And our righteousness, actually, our own righteousness are filthy rugs in the sight of God. Only Christ's righteousness is acceptable in the sight of God. Aren't you glad you accepted him? Amen? So you are justified, then you are sanctified. You are set apart now to do his will and his service. And that is uh, progressive. Amen? And one of these days will be glorified when it comes to glory. When it comes in the air in that great trumpet sound. And it could happen before this service is over. Amen? It could happen before September 23. <laughs> the birthday of Pastor Jether. No. It could happen any moment. And you see, it's getting closer and closer with everything that's going on right now. So it's best now to live for the Lord. Amen? To grow as much as you can spiritually, to be a witness for Him. So you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Let me tell you, you need to pour yourself into the book every day. Read it, meditate it, memorize it, make notes of it, study it, and most important of all, believe it and obey it. Pastor Ricky has said, it's, it's not just enough to know, but you have to do. As the Bible says, not hearers only, but doers of God's word. Because you'll be blessed by it. Your life will be more richer and fuller and happier when you listen and obey God's word. It's the keys to total happiness. Again, you need to be in a church where the pastor does not just give you a feel-good-about-yourself sermon. Amen? But where the pastor will, by God's grace, preach the word of God in season out of season. Thirdly, prayer. It's an instrument of growth. Amen? You know what? The primary goal of prayer is not to present a wish list of your wants and needs to like a cosmic Santa Claus, you know? God is not our cosmic, you know, genie out there. But you know what? Prayer is there so we can get to know the true, loving, wise, eternal, omnipotent God. It's actually a desire to talk to God who created us and saved us. It's a communion. Amen? It's a communion. Paul says, Ephaphras was committed to the ministry of prayer as a means of building up believers. Paul said in Colossians 4, 12-13, Colossians 4, 12-13, Ephaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluted you always, laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he had a great zeal for you. I know we have some Ephaphras here in the church. Amen. We have prayer warriors. And we thank God for them. Some of them are our grandparents. Amen. Who constantly pray for his family or her family and the church family and the many needs in our church. And since this is fellowship month, we heard a great message from Brother Bob last Wednesday about fellowship. One of the instruments of growth is also Christian fellowship. It's an instrument of growth. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Amen? We all ought to exercise good works, the Bible says, especially to the household of faith. And we do that out of love. Amen? Out of love. Because our brothers and sisters in the Lord are dear to our hearts. And you know what? We need to have a good relationship with them because you never know. They'll be your eternal neighbors in heaven. So get along right now. Amen? Huh? Be nice to each other. Do good works because that's the fruit of salvation. We are created unto good works. Um, Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpeneth iron. I see that in my dad before. Para patalasin yung itak. You know? Iron sharpeneth iron. Another iron matches it. You know? And sharpen it. The same thing. You know, we, ne we are never perfect here, but sometimes we rub each other in the wrong way, isn't it? But when you, we do it in, uh, out of, like, you know, concern, you know, because open rebuke, the Bible says, is better than secret love. When we do it out of love, you know, and when we have this spirit of humility, then it will do us good. Amen? Then this one, I love this. Testing and suffering causes growth are instruments of growth. And we know right now we have brethren in the Lord and people that you know that are in the midst of a trial, testing and suffering. 
could be physical, amen? Sometimes some emotional, mental testing and trials. But you know what? We need to pray for them. And you know, God allows those things to happen because it's one way of God making us grow. Uh, we had a wonderful message lesson this afternoon from our Sunday school in the book of James. And let me go to James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Uh, how can we do that? How can I? You're crazy, isn't it? You smile, you're joyful when you have problems? You have trials? How come the Bible says, count it all joy? And we know it's not about if you're going to be having trials and troubles and temptations, but it is a matter of when. Amen? Because if you're a child of God, it will come. As they said, you're about to go through a storm. You're in the midst of the storm. You're just coming out of a storm. You know, because the Bible says in the book of Job, man's life is short but full of trouble. But the difference is we have God in the midst of it all. Amen? He will never leave us nor forsake us. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. Knowing this is the trying of your faith, work at patience. Patience in the midst of affliction. Patience to have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So take note of this. Suffering is God's custom design. Program for purging and purifying our lives and refining our character. Suffering is God's custom design program for purging and purifying our lives and refining our character. That's why Peter tells us that God uses suffering to build up and prepare us for spiritual ministry. 1 Peter 5.10. This one became uh, one of our um, uh, end of the service verses that we mentioned, we quote. But the God of all grace who had called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you... Mature, perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. That's nice, isn't it? By God's grace, those can happen. Establish, strengthen, settle you. Paul tells us that the only way to know Christ in the deepest, most intimate levels is to share in his suffering. Philippians 3.10. Philippians 3.10. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Never ever view the pains and problems you face in life as your adversary. Sometimes rather welcome them, rejoice in them, because your father is using them to produce maturity, growth in you. It's either sabinga we will be better or bitter when we experience suffering, suffering in life. So, conclusion of this point, God's design for growth, is that if you are not growing spiritually, you have only one person to blame. Amen? Yourself. Because God designed for growth includes an institution, the church, individuals, gifted leaders, instruments, the Holy Spirit, the Bible, prayer, Christian fellowship, testing and suffering. And lastly, amen? amen. Number three, God's description of spiritual growth. In this verse of scripture, God gives us four characteristics of spiritual growth. The question that now needs to be asked is simply this. How does God define or describe spiritual growth? What is spiritual growth? And how one can recognize and measure it? Ephesians 4 gives us four characteristics. Quickly, first, spiritual growth is described as doctrinal stability. Amen? Doctrinal stability. We read it a while ago, verse 13 and 14 of Ephesians 4. Till we, all in, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a mature or perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The words here, uh, used here are very, very pistoric words. For example, we see the word slight. You not be tossed and probed by the slight of man. Kubia in Greek means literally a loaded dice. Craftiness speaks of intentional scheming to undermine the gospel. I'm telling you, isn't it? Surely there has never been a time in Christian history when there's so much, you know, false teachers. Amen? They are like a loaded die, so to speak. The surface, it looks good, but the inside is evil and conniving. We are being bombarded with teaching that appears on the surface to be true, 
But beneath the veneer, you find doctrines of demons, demons like New Age of New Age philosophy, like Mormonism, prosperity gospel, the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it kind of teaching. You know, you can turn your television on Sunday morning and get a plethora of false teachers, religious hacksters in the health and wealth movement, false teachers in the New Age philosophy, Romanism, sacramental salvation, and you can also find, though, some solid Bible-believing teachers who can rightly divide the word of truth. So be careful. The problem is, though, right now, the average Christian doesn't know what's right and wrong. Amen? They're confused. What's the difference between the two? But spiritual maturity produces doctrinal stability. All right? Second thing, spiritual growth is also described as loving standards. Loving standards. When you are growing spiritually, you are able to speak the truth in love. Amen? By God's grace. That is, you maintain a high, righteous, biblical standards of truth, but you promote and enforce the standards, standards of truth in the spirit of love. There are people who are adamant proponents of the truth. Yes, they preach the gospel, but they do not have love. And they end up being harsh, intolerant, legalistic, self-righteous, dictatorial, impatient. Remember that uh, church, actually they should remove that sign, Westboro Baptist Church. You know, they adamantly, you know, criticize the social issues right now. They're not really actually Baptist in the real sense of the word, amen? Because they're hateful. So we should not be like that. Harsh, intolerant, legalistic, self-righteous, dictatorial, impatient. No? Others feel like truth is not important, just be loving and understanding, but that is not true love. If you really love somebody, you will tell them the truth even though it hurts because it will be for their own good. You don't want to, them to live a life of lie because that's misery. That's misery. Others feel like the truth is not important, but truth should always be important. It should always prevail. It's like an example. Is it loving for a doctor to be very compassionate and kind to you? but never tell you what's wrong with you so you can correct it, so you can avoid further chaos. The mature Christian is committed to high standards truth, but also expresses those standards in a sweet spirit of sacrificial love. Thirdly, spiritual growth is described as Christ's sufficiency. Amen? Ephesians 4.13 Real spirituality, maturity means growing up in Him. Spiritual maturity is going in the Christ life. You know, you get to know Jesus, you love Him more, you trust Him, you abide in Him, you rely upon Him, you submit upon Him. John the Baptist described it this way, I must decrease, but He must increase. Spiritual maturity is learning how to decrease. So Jesus Christ can be increased in us every day. Fourthly, spiritual maturity described as gifted Service, gifted service. Mature Christians are service-oriented, ministering Christians. We heard that this morning, amen? Who is a great example of service of a servant heart is no other than the Lord Jesus Christ. When? Mm, by so much love, in a great display of example, he washed the dirty, dusty feet of his disciples. Imagine, maybe they have ingrowns. You know, smelly feet, you know, and stuff like that. But still, who, the God who made their feet, amen, created them. Stooped down, took a, a towel and a basin of water, and so such humility. When all of them are saying, you know, who will be the greatest in our kingdom? In his kingdom? Who will sit on the right hand or their hand? God is waiting probably for one of them to wash each other's feet. But he did the initiative. What a Savior we have. So if you are growing mature, maturely, you will have the desire to serve the Lord and one another. You'll be fat, Christian. Amen? Faithful, available, and teachable. Having a servant's heart. So conclusion of this point. God's description for spiritual growth. Is spiritual growth is described as doctrinal stability, loving standards, you recognize Christ's sufficiency in all things, and you are gifted to serve the Lord. So, the question today, 
Maybe the question of Pastor Max, if he's here today, are you growing spiritually? Are you desiring to grow? Are you desiring to grow in your relationship with the Lord? Because that's the best advice he could give to all of us. Amen? To keep on growing before the Lord. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this simple lesson. These things that we've heard before, probably, we just need to be reminded of. And thank you, Lord, for this time that we can celebrate the life of Pastor Max. It's almost been a year um, tomorrow when we uh, uh, departed in this temporary earthly realm, but to be with your presence forevermore. And thank you, Lord, that our hope is always in the Lord. His promises are always ever true. He, was, he will always fulfill what he says. Thank you, Lord. We have the comfort of thy word, the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, Lord, we might have uh, questions or uh, an inquiry why it happened, the timing. But, Lord, in your ultimate plan, in your sovereign will and plan, and this is sometimes, Lord, we can never understand. We cannot totally comprehend. We know, Lord, that everything is done. Everything happened for a reason. But still, the truth is there that you are always faithful and true. And you desire for all of us to walk in your ways, to grow spiritually. Until such time that, Lord, our growth will be seen in the way we display our Christian testimony to others. The way we use our time, talent, and treasure for the cause of Jesus. Because as we always are reminded of, only what's done for the Lord will last. Everything of our earthly accomplishment, our education, our jobs, our uh, accomplishment, our money in the bank, everything, our popularity or this and that, everything, Lord, without your blessing, is nothing. It's in vain. But you bless us with life. Breath of life, with strength, with resources, so we can be a blessing to others. Most of all, to thy kingdom, to thy work. Because only what we do for Christ will last. The people that we bring to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ will be with us in heaven for all eternity. So help us, Lord, to keep that in mind. That we are not really a permanent citizen of this world. We're just passing through. As Pastor Max was, he was just a pilgrim. He was just a sojourner. And I thank you, Lord, that he displayed a wonderful example to us. A loving father, a loving husband, a loving friend, a loyal friend. He shared the laughter. He shared a lively character. And we miss him, truly, Lord, humanly speaking. But, uh, and others, Lord, have gone before us. But we thank you, Lord, that their faith has been now in a reality. They, ha they are in the most blessed place, the most perfect place. And, uh, as Apostle Paul said, Lord, he has a desire to be with some believers, but also the desire to be with Christ, which is far more better. But you know what, Lord, we understand, and you continue, Lord, to remind us that we are here for a reason why we are here on earth. We still have this life. Because you want us to bring others with, with us to heaven. You want us to be your witnesses. You want us to be your light. You want us to be your salt. You want us to be continuously be conformed in the image of your son. You want us to grow spiritually. And Lord, may this be our heart's desire. This is my heart's desire, Lord, for thy people. And we can do what we can, Lord, in the pulpit, in prayer, but it's all of us, our personal decision, personal walk with you to desire, Lord, to know you more. And it's a wonderful thing to desire to know you, to live for you, to walk by you. In the midst of a very unchanging world, in the midst of a confusing world, in the midst of a world that is full of uncertainty, we are, Lord, admonished that there are something that are never changing. There's always things that are constant and absolute in this life, and that is, Lord, your love. 
mercy and grace for every child of God who put their faith and trust in you. Lord, marami pong salamat, hindi po kami nag-iisa sa, sa, sa buhay pong ito. We have you, Lord. We have you. So as we um, celebrate the life of Pastor, may it be an encouragement to us. May it motivate us and inspire us, Lord, to continue, Lord, to trust you at all times in all things and walk with you side by side until we hear that great trumpet sound, until we hear that admonition, welcome the good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your patience.